In this series, we're talking about the kingdom of God and Jesus teaches through parables. We're gonna look at many different parables and we're gonna grow in our experience and our awareness and our appreciation, our participation in the kingdom of God. This kingdom is not about passivity, it's about participation. Today, we're gonna have a couple expressions of prayer and at the end of this message, the elders will be here ready to pray with you and for you, pray for healing, pray for restoration. If you're ready to trust Jesus today, there'll be opportunities at the end of the message. And we're also gonna have a time of prayer right now where we get to participate. And there's a lot going on in our world, probably catches your attention, your heart, your mind, and what a great opportunity for us to pray. I'm highlighting four different areas that we can pray right now. The first one is Ukraine. We know the situation there. And also there are two people from our church, Doug, who served there for many years, and his daughter, Megan. They've been praying about the situation and they're gonna go and bring encouragement to Ukraine this week, this week. So we have people in our church who've been listening to God, watching what's happening there and know that it's time to go. So we're gonna pray for them, father and daughter going. We wanna pray for Ukraine. Also, you've probably seen this week, Turkey, Syria, over 20,000 people have died because of the earthquake. And maybe you've seen the images, the stories, it's heartbreaking. We wanna pray. We wanna pray together for that situation. We also have in Nigeria, thousands of Christians being killed for their faith. So many martyrs. And what can we do? Well, we can take action and we can pray. And sometimes when you pray, it leads to taking action. But there's a lot of people not aware of what's going on around the world, how many Christians are being killed. And we wanna pray for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria. And then also across the sound, pray for the churches. The last thing we wanna do is only be thinking about our church. We wanna be praying for and loving the churches around the sound who are focusing on Jesus in the Bible and faithful and that God would build up a work of the spirit across the sound. So these are four areas right now. I'm gonna give us, uh, you know, we all have freedom in how we pray. Some of us like to pray alone and silent, that's great. Uh, some prefer to pray with someone you came with out loud, that's great. Uh, I'm told by my Korean brothers and sisters that if it's in the setting uh, where they're used to in tradition, everyone prays out loud fervently. I don't know if everyone in this room is ready for that today, but if that's you, go for it, go for it. The, the point is not whether we're praying alone or with someone or silent or out loud. The point is we're seeking God because there's a lot happening in the world. This is a kingdom where God is moving. These are kingdom prayers and it's time to pray. So Leroy is gonna um, play just as a song of praise, instrumental. And right now we're gonna take a couple minutes to pray. I'll close us in prayer. And I uh, pray for those things on your heart this morning.
God, we're seeking you together today. Thank you for hearing the cry of our hearts as we pray for across the sound, strengthen churches and pastors today. God, transform lives today. We pray for work of your spirit in the sound. God, we're praying for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria today. God, give them courage to stay faithful, to not give in to fear, bring rescue and relief. God, we pray as we think about Ukraine and the mourning and the grief there, God. Bless Doug and Megan as they travel this week. Bless others who are supporting, encouraging, praying, meeting practical needs. And God, we lift up Syria, Turkey. Can't imagine the devastation. We pray, God, because you are refuge strength and ever-present help in trouble. You're the lifter of our heads. You bring comfort when we mourn. God, you bring a hope that's greater than our challenges. Jesus, I pray there'd be a turning to you. God, you're our good shepherd. Even when life doesn't feel good or things happen that aren't good, you're still our good shepherd. And we give you praise. Lead and guide our time together. And we thank you for your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We continue to pray and pray for each other, with each other. Today, we're gonna be in Matthew chapter 20, and it's the parable of the workers in the vineyard. We're gonna be talking about slackers, workers, and grumblers. Let's say that together. Slackers, workers, and grumblers. They're all found in the same parable. Jesus is continually inviting people into the kingdom of God. And he's continually teaching so that we're learning more about the kingdom of God. And Jesus is continually inviting us to participate more in building up his kingdom. Jesus is the king of kings and there's no kingdom without a king. Jesus is the Messiah and it was prophesied that the Messiah would speak in parables. So Jesus teaches in parables and parables are stories, illustrations, metaphors. They're powerful and they teach us about the kingdom of God. In Matthew chapter 20, verse one, Jesus begins by saying, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early into the morning to hire men and women to work in his vineyard. And what do we notice right away? When you read the Bible, observe, there's a landowner. God is the landowner. God is the owner. We are stewards. You actually don't own anything. God owns it all. You are temporarily, for a short time in life, given things like talent, time, treasures. You are given different possessions. You are given different opportunities to steward those well, to be faithful to God, because it all ultimately belongs to him. Everything belongs to the Lord. He is the landowner, and we have a vineyard. There's a metaphor of a vineyard throughout the Bible. Sometimes it means Israel, the Israelites. Sometimes it means the world. Sometimes it refers to the kingdom. It's where God is working. It's God's story. It's the way that God is transforming lives. There is a vineyard. The landowner oversees the vineyard and he invites workers into work that matters. Don't you wanna do stuff that matters? I mean, not waste your time, not do frivolous stuff, not do stuff that's inconsequential. God invites us into the work that really matters and he's generous with rewards. That's the context. And we get to think about our response to this invitation. This landowner, this vineyard, slackers, workers, and grumblers. 
There's gonna be choices that we make in responding to this parable. Let's take a look at verse two. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About the third hour, he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. About the 11th hour, he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. Picture the day starting at 6 a.m. Some people begin to work. And then 9 a.m., invitation in the third hour to work. The sixth hour's noon, more people start to come and work. 3 p.m., that's the ninth hour, there's other workers starting to work at that time. And then at 5 p.m., a last crew shows up to work before the day ends at 6 p.m. Intervals where God continues to invite and say, come to the vineyard, come work in the vineyard, come work in the vineyard, come work in the vineyard. And he's reaching out to everyone because his kingdom is not a spectator sport. His kingdom is not a spectator sport. Do we need spectators and critics? Oh, no, no, we got plenty of those. What we need is workers in the kingdom. Not a desperate need, but what a great honor to be a worker in the kingdom. The the parable says people are standing around, standing around. People are doing nothing, doing nothing in the kingdom. And then he asked the question, why are you standing around? Why are you standing all day long? Why are you doing nothing? And I'm sure there's a mixture of stories, excuses. There's probably some good reasons. There's a range of desires. Some just need an opportunity. Some are totally slacking. There's probably a whole spectrum along there. I don't know everyone's story, but I would say that there's definitely some laziness. There's definitely some laziness. Proverbs chapter 24 Starting in verse 30, talking about a sluggard, I went past the field of a sluggard, past the vineyard of someone who has no sense. Thorns had come up everywhere. The ground was covered with weeds and the stone wall was in ruins. The Bible confirms and affirms that God wants you to have a strong work ethic. And laziness will lead to thorns and weeds and poverty. And, you know, we can easily neglect the gifts that God has given to us. We're all tempted to be lazy every day. That is a temptation for everyone in the room every day to just take the lazy path. Slackers have the heart, but not the hands. If you were going to summarize, they have so often a heart and good intentions but they just don't have hands that are actually working. If you ask questions to someone who's slacking, no one wakes up and says, well, my vision is to be lazy and slack. I've just never heard that, not once. No one has that vision. So if you ask questions, you say, well, do you have talents? Well, people say, yeah, I have talents. God gives everyone talents and abilities. Well, that's great. Well, is it good to help other people? Definitely. Definitely, it's fulfilling. It's part of our purpose. Well, is it good to have a strong work ethic? 
Yes, I'm checking that box. I agree there. Do you want to make a difference in this world? Sure do. Sure do. What about building up the kingdom of God? Oh, I talk about that all the time. We do Bible studies on that. And you hear all those answers and the heart says, yes, 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 yes. But the question is, well, then why are you not really going for it? Why are you not empowered by the spirit and really going for it with God's kingdom? And so that causes us to stop and think and we need to make some shifts. Is your job just a job or is it your ministry? Where you spend so much time, whether it's in the home, in the community, at the workplace or online, where you spend so much time, your main focus in your work, is it just a job for some things to do or is it a full-blown ministry for the kingdom of God? That's a big decision. Well, what's the starting point? Pick one. Pick one locally. Pick one in the church. Pick one globally. An opportunity that's exciting, that's life-giving, that you pray about and you sense, God wants me to enter in and do this. You know, in most churches across the nation, 20% of the church does 80% of the ministry. But I just can't find that in the Bible. It's like we're all following this blueprint that's not in the Bible because the only blueprint in the Bible is that everyone's involved, building each other up, caring for each other, serving each other, loving each other, building up the kingdom of God. That's the only blueprint. Where did we buy in to 20% of people doing 80% of the ministry? That's just not the Bible. That's not the vision for Grace Community Church. So we see the potential. And this is realistic in the parable. It kind of tells us some people need to be asked once, some twice, some three times, some four times, some five times. Some people are finally at age 75 gonna say, you know what, I better serve a little bit before I go to see God. And we'll say yes to that. That's wonderful. It's not too late. In the parable, it's not too late. But some people have to be asked many, many, many times before they say, you know what? Maybe I will roll up my sleeves. Maybe I will do some of this kingdom work. And that's just the reality. But the truth also is that it's harvest time. The, the landowner knows it's harvest time. Who wants to harvest? It's harvest time at Grace Community Church. Have you noticed all the kids that God is bringing around Auburn and the community into this place? Have you noticed that? Have you noticed the middle school students? Have you noticed the college students? Have you noticed the young adults? Have you noticed the international students that are coming? Have you noticed the discipleship classes? Have you noticed perspective in world missions? Have you seen what's happening? Have you noticed clean water? Have you noticed human trafficking? Have you noticed the digital ministry? In our last campaign, we just had 480,000 people indicate first time decisions for Jesus, for God's glory. Have you noticed the international partners? Have you noticed what God is doing it's not like God's not working that's not the thing the, the landowner the harvest the vineyard that's not where the challenge is Jesus said pray and ask the Lord of the harvest to send more labors into the harvest field because the harvest is ripe but the laborers are few and this parable, it lays it out. We're invited. You know what's exciting right now at Asbury College? This started on Wednesday in our nation. They had chapel like they do every Wednesday. But at this college, when chapel is supposed to end, 
the students didn't want it to end. Have you ever felt like I just don't want service to end? I just don't want prayer to end. I just don't want worship to end. I just don't want the word to end. And you know what happened? They didn't have it planned, but they just kept praising God. And then they just kept praying. And then it didn't stop Wednesday. It went into Thursday. And more of the college students coming up and repenting of sins and reconciling and restoration and offering themselves to God and saying, God, we're seeking you. We're hungry for you. We don't want to leave this place. We just want to keep seeking you. And it kept going Thursday and Friday and Saturday. And you know what? More people in the community started to come in. It's still going today. What you won't hear at Asbury College right now is, what if we missed a Super Bowl tonight? You, you just won't hear that at Asbury College today. Why? Because they taste and see that the Lord is good. They're seeking God. My prayer is that that would start to happen all over the nation. Why just one college? Yes, Asbury College. God has worked mightily there in the past, but God will honor anyone, anyone who seeks first the kingdom of God and says, I want more of him. I want more of that. God will show up. God will move when the people are hungry. And right now at Asbury College, people are hungry and there'll be blessings when you get hungry for God. There will be humility. There will be honor. There will be confession. There will be returning to God. There will be salvation. There will be people called to the nations. God will move when you seek him, but he invites. He doesn't force. He doesn't force. Mm, doesn't force like that. Thou shall be in church eight hours or else. No, I don't read that in the Bible. Don't read that but God will show up anywhere where people are hungry, anywhere where people wanna linger and seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things are gonna be added. So we read this parable and it's, it's strong. If you thought parables were cute, <laughs> there's a lot more to parables. There's a lot more. Jesus brings truth and he brings love in the parables. And we don't just read them for a couple of facts about parables. We say, what is Jesus really saying to our souls and hearts? What is he saying to us today through this parable? Well, they're slackers. They have the heart, but not the hands. Now we have workers. They have the heart and the hands. And look at verse eight. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. That's an important detail. Don't miss details when you read the Bible. Very specific from the landowner. Now, what do we notice here? Evening comes. Evening will come. Your opportunities will only last so long. Our lives only last so long. Evening comes. Time expires. It comes sooner than we think. I, I still cannot believe how old I am, to be honest. I just don't feel it. Just don't feel it. Maybe you feel the same way. Evening comes. Well, then what? you will see the owner. When evening comes, you see the owner. You come before the owner. You talk to the owner. You see the owner face to face, the owner, the landowner. You come before the landowner. That's gonna happen. Well, the landowner brings amazing rewards. I wanna point it out here clearly. No one earns their way to heaven. It's not what the parable teaches. If anyone ever tells you it's through works and effort and being good enough and religious enough, it's a flat out lie. It's straight from the pit of hell. 
Because the only way heaven is experienced is through the grace of Jesus Christ who died for our sins and risen. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. It's a gift. Everyone's invited. There's no better news. There's no greater gift. It's his sacrificial death. He became sin, paid the price for sin. We have eternal life. We're in God's family, accepted forever. Sin's forgiven. I just love sharing that during the week with different people. Uh, Well, that's the good news. So how does this tie in then? Because in this parable, we have working and we have a vineyard. And uh, what's going on here? Well, let's think about the work of the kingdom. And I lived in Sonoma County, which is in Northern California, vineyards everywhere. In fact, uh, there was a great solid church in the middle of a vineyard, in the middle of a vineyard. So when I heard about harvest time at the vineyard, What I never heard is that harvest time is easy. I've just never heard that harvest time is easy. I heard about hard work, late nights, trying to get more hands to help, trying to get people for a season to come because it's so difficult, long hours, massive effort, all of this for the harvest. So there's moisture levels, there's a process throughout the year, there's a preparation, and then there's this harvest process. It involves hard work, people get exhausted, some people get grumpy, some people are difficult to work with, but you gotta make it through that. There's different opposition and factors and all of that. And when you are in working it, work in that vineyard, God's kingdom, God's harvest, don't be duped thinking this is gonna be a cakewalk. Just don't be duped, okay? Be realistic and then don't be rattled. Because why? It's gonna be hard work, challenging people, There's an enemy that's real, demons. I mean, there's a lot going on in harvesting. And when things get difficult, you just say, I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more than this challenge. I love Jesus more than that negativity. I love Jesus more than that criticism. I love Jesus more than this feeling of despair. I love Jesus more. You just keep saying, I love Jesus more. I got my eyes on you, Jesus. This is for you, Jesus. This is for the king. I'm doing this for the king. I'm gonna keep going. I got my eyes on Jesus. Preach to yourself. Uh, you know, you're the main preacher in your own life. I got a secondary role. You preach to yourself every day and it's important what you're telling yourself. Scripture, praying, worship. And so we move forward. Chuck Swindoll, he was the president when I was in seminary in Dallas. He said, ministry, it's not like a playground. It's a battleground. It's a battleground, not a playground. He said, he's trying to prepare pastors going into ministry. He says, don't be thinking this is a playground. This is a battleground. And he talks about a conversation with a Satanist. It's like a Satanist? They're real? Oh yeah, we got Satan worshipers all around Washington. Well, uh, what was the Satanist saying? The Satanists are praying and fasting. Wait, we do that? You mean Satanists do that? Yeah, praying and fasting. Well, what are they praying and fasting about? They're praying and fasting that a hundred Christian leaders would fail in their morality and their marriage. That a hundred Christian leaders would absolutely destroy their marriages, would be ruined. Satanists praying and fasting for that. This isn't a playground. You read the Bible, you think this is a playground in ministry? That's not a playground. You know, Proverbs 31, there's a godly woman pictured in Proverbs 31, and she steps up. It's not passivity, it's participation. In verse 16, 
I get this different glimpses of this godly woman. She considers a field. She buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. And you get a picture and read through the chapter this week of honoring God, kingdom-minded, seek first the kingdom of God at home, in the marketplace, in the community. There's so many different elements, but it's not passivity. Instead, it's honoring God. The vineyard is the place you wanna be. In this parable is the place you wanna be. The vineyard is where God's moving. The vineyard is where God's healing. The vineyard is where God is leading people and there's ministry happening. Transformed lives are happening in the vineyard. The vineyard is the place you wanna invest your time, your talent, your treasure, your words, your your energy, your effort. The kingdom is where you wanna be building up. I don't wanna be on the sidelines watching other people work in the kingdom. You wanna roll up your sleeves and be part of what God's doing, doing it in his strength. He's gonna empower you. He's gonna lead you. The kingdom is where God's moving and here it's a vineyard. It's a vineyard. Well, why, why would we not be working? Some people say, well, you know, it's a little later in my life. I think my best days are all behind me. I challenge that. The best is yet to come. It's not too late. You say, well, I don't know what my role is. Well, it's hard to steer a parked car. So start getting involved and your role is gonna become clear. Well, I don't know what my talents are. Talk to your life group leader, talk to a pastor. There's so many ways as you read through the Bible, you're gonna have joy, there's gonna be fruit, there's gonna be confirmation. You're gonna sense God's blessing. Discover your talents. You say, well, this is tougher than I thought. Say, yeah, probably is. This is gonna lead you to more reliance. I've been hurt. We pray for God for healing. I've been a failure in the past. I think God's better without me around. It's not true. It's not true. That's the accuser. That's not coming from God. Well, COVID came and, you know, three years, I guess I'm just doing my own thing. I'm still in restrictions mode, in isolation mode. Well, it's time to break out of that. It really is. That's a rut. Well, my friends aren't really going for it with the kingdom. I mean, I'm going to stand out. It might be time for some new friends. It really might be. This is for King Jesus, for eternity. Galatians 6, 9 says, don't give up. There's a harvest if you don't give up. And we're hearing this parable and we're tracking. And then here's the twist. In verse nine, here's the unexpected part. The workers who were hired about the 11th hour came and each received a denarius. So when those who came who were hired first, they expected to receive more. But each one of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These men who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. These parables are more than cute stories and something interesting happens here. Notice uh, denarius is one day's labor and a pay for one day's labor. Roman soldiers would get a denarius, different laborers, day laborers, common in that culture, you receive a denarius. God said, if you start working to the early workers, you'll get a denarius, and he delivered the denarius. He said, the later, whatever's right, and again, he gave them all a denarius. You can imagine the tension. Those who worked one hour received a denarius, three hours a denarius, six hours, nine hours, 12 hours, a range of work, and all receiving a denarius. Okay, the landowner did keep his word. He didn't back off his word, 
But notice how he distributed the reward. He said, do it this way. First, give a denarius to those who only worked one hour. Everyone's gonna see that. And then we're gonna go down the line, denarius, 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 denarius. By the time you get to the people who've worked 12 hours and they see that the one hour workers got a denarius, how do you think they're feeling on the inside? They are not liking it, not liking it at all. Those who were hired last were paid the same as those who worked all day long. Frederick Buchner says it this way, they are prepared for a God who strikes hard bargains, but they are not prepared for a God who gives as much for an hour's work as for a day's work. And the complaints to HR start piling up. What in the world is going on in this kingdom? The first shall be last, the last shall be first. Those who humble are exalted. Those who have pride are humbled. It's backwards. If you wanna be great, you serve. And now the one who serves one hour gets the same as 12 hours. Like, I wanna talk to HR. I want an exit interview. I wanna talk about the injustice of this kingdom. They're not prepared for a God this generous. They're not prepared for the grace of God. And there's so many ways that this parable plays out. First, God chose in a wonderful way, selected and revealed himself, blessed the Israelites, and now the Gentiles are coming in. We've been walking with you. We've had the scripture longer. We've been serving you longer. And now who's coming in? The Gentiles in the last minute, and they're getting the same blessings eternally that we are. I've been at church for 30 years serving here. And you're telling me that someone who's come in for three weeks is gonna get loved just like me? Her. I've been serving God for decades. Someone just comes and know the Lord. I'm so far above them. They're so far below me. My preferences matter more than them. Or do they? Or do they? The prodigal son, the one who took the father's stuff, wild living, he comes home, heaven throws a party. The father runs out and what have we got? The other son who's also prodigal, not in his actions, in his attitude. One runs away, one stays there. Two prodigals and what does the father do? Don't you realize how much I'm giving you already? Don't you realize how good I am to you? Don't you realize my generosity, my grace in your life? Why are you getting so tripped up? Because your brother that's now saved. Like this is a day of celebration, right? But it's so easy to relate here to the grumblers. The grumblers have the hands, but not the heart. They have the hands. So often people who grumble the most have been ones who served and even are serving. In some ways that serving almost enables them to feel entitled. Like because I've served, I can really grumble. Grumblers have the hands, they've served, but they don't have the heart. There's a book Marshall Shelley writes called Well-Intentioned Dragons. And he talks about people who cause problems in the church. Dragons doesn't sound very flattering. Please don't call anyone a dragon this week. Uh, Dragons, of course, are fictional, but he says dragons can also be kind of real. And they cause problems, they leave ulcers, and there's strained relationships in their wake. They don't consider themselves difficult people. They absolutely don't. 
They don't sit up at night thinking of ways to be nasty. That's not them. But for some reason, they undermine the ministry. And they're convinced they're serving God while they do it. But they wind up doing more harm than good. They will suck your time, your energy, and the life right out of you. They don't give life, they suck it. Well, the Pharisees were that way. The Pharisees were upset. Jesus is loving sinners. Jesus is loving unclean people. Jesus is loving people with demons. Jesus loving men, women, and people of all ages. Jesus, you know, he was so merciful with that woman caught in adultery. The Pharisees, they're full of this business. You see, the owner of the vineyard has to reframe it and remind the grumblers, there's no injustice here. In fact, I've kept my promise to you and I'm gonna be good to you and the rewards are gonna be amazing for you. But this is what's happening, not injustice. In fact, what you're seeing is mercy and grace. It's mercy and grace and abundance. It's so much mercy and grace, it kind of makes you uncomfortable, doesn't it? Well, that's the challenge right there in the parable as they're grumbling. Okay, grumbling. I've been in ministry over 20 years. You know what the number one area of grumbling is? The number one area is worship. You say, well, how did that ever happen? You know where it started? In the heavenlies, where the devil showed up and decided it should be about me. It should be about me. That has been the devil's posture in worship since the beginning. It should be about me. That's what the devil shows up to do. And out of that rebellion, there's distraction, there's conflict. And that right there, what started in the heavenlies in my over 20 years of ministry has been by far the number one area of grumbling in the church. Now, uh, this is interesting because I've worked in Baptist churches, a couple of them, Presbyterian churches, a couple of them, Christian church, Evangelical Free Church. I mean, worked in different parts of the country. I've worked in the Midwest and the South. It's not unique to one church, one denomination, one location. It's just across America. Some people call it worship wars. I'm not really too fond of that, but imagine this. Uh, here's where the tension goes. Some people think the room should be light, and they might even do scripture, God is light, the room should be light. And other people say the room should be darker because it helps me not be distracted. When the lights are on, I'm just looking at different people, I'm distracted. When the lights are lower, I can focus on God. There's not one way better or worse in the Bible, okay? More light or less light in the, in the room, right? Uh, some people say there should be more lights on the platform. Some people say less lights on the platform. Again, the Bible doesn't say how many platforms and, and what lights. Uh, when I look at the sky in heaven that declares the glory of God, I see God thrilled to have all kinds of different lights and colors that can bring him glory. But other people feel like there shouldn't be any lights. Okay, some people really want old songs. Some people really want new songs. For 20 years, I've been listening to nonstop. I want old songs, I want new songs, I want old songs. We played an old song. Well, you only did two stanzas in a chorus. Yeah, we didn't play the full song. Hey, what about the new song? People leave the church because there's not enough old songs, not enough new songs. They, they will just, more instruments, less instruments. More hands raised and more expressions of praise that way. More reserved. Well, the people that are more reserved, you know what they say about the people who are more expressive? Entertainment, 
entertainment. If it's more, if it's more, if it's more, it's gotta be entertainment. Well, what about the people who are less? Just less singing, less lifting up hands. Um, They want less of everything, less lights, less volume, less, 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 less. Then the people who are more excited, they say, huh, lukewarm, lukewarm. I know the people are excited. They're not, the last thing they want is entertainment. I know the people are more reserved. They're not lukewarm, okay? But the name calling just goes back and forth constantly, right? And so how far are we getting? Sometimes I wonder what would happen if you took American worshipers in 2023 and brought them back to the Old Testament? You know, who would say, I don't like all this incense. Why is there so much incense? Why is there so much smoke? Why does God want all the smoke? Why is it so bloody? Why are there animals? Why are there curtains? Why are there sacred clothes? How come I can't get over there and there's something here? I mean, there's so much to complain about in the Old Testament. And, and then sometimes I wonder, like, what if we took a tour of the world and then we got to see the conditions of our brothers and sisters who it's not legal for them to worship. They're killed if they worship. They're beaten up if they worship. They're thrown into jail if they worship. And I wonder after that tour, if we would still come back here and say, I want my favorite songs. If you don't play my favorite songs, I'm leaving your church. And you know what usually is attached to that? Well, if I leave... I'm the biggest giver, so you're gonna lose my check too. And then how's the church gonna survive? I'm just being real about 20 plus years of ministry, right? When it comes to worship. And and maybe, maybe, maybe the main thing isn't how bright the lights are, how older, new the songs are. Maybe in what we're committed to at Grace, because we've had so many different stage designs, so many different singers, so many different musicians, so many different worship leaders, so many different styles over the decades. Maybe what's most important in what we're committed to is we worship God in spirit and in truth. If the lyrics aren't biblical, we're not singing it. Done that a number of times. Lyrics off, we're not singing it. But if we can focus on Jesus, you know the beauty of a multi-generational, multicultural church is that a lot of people don't wanna put their preferences on the altar. They just don't. And in a multicultural, multi-generational church, people who don't wanna put their preferences on the altar, they leave, they leave. It kinda tests you to think about we instead of just me. And there's a tension there and it's not for everybody. But that shift, see the devil wants you to think worship is all about a couple songs. The truth is worship is 24 seven all week long. The, the, The devil wants you to think the only place you worship is right here. The truth is you worship where you live, work, learn or play. The devil wants you to get locked into how much do you like those three songs? And if not, you come out grumpy. You know what the challenge for me in worship is? I'm gonna enter into God's praise. I don't care what's playing or not playing. It always comes down to a choice whether I wanna give Jesus praise or not. It always comes down to that for me. And worship's number one. Uh, Number two, uh, and, and I'll just give us an honorable mention, is outreach. Because the devil's a defeated foe And what the devil wants is to not see God's kingdom in heaven grow. So the devil's against outreach. There's a word called proselytize. Ever heard that word? 
I go to all these places outside the church and the one thing they tell me is, you can talk, just don't proselytize. You can show up, just don't proselytize. Well, I had to look up proselytize at one point. I, I, I know what it means, I know what it means. It, it really means leading people to Jesus. It's like, oh, I understand some settings are different and I try to honor that setting. But if you're telling me to stop leading people to Jesus and stop talking about Jesus, that's never gonna happen. That's just never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. So this is what's interesting. If the world is saying, don't lead people to Jesus and the devil's saying, don't lead people to Jesus, right? How are you gonna respond? You know what I find interesting is that there's so much criticism around outreach, how outreach is done. It usually comes from people who don't have a vibrant outreach themselves. And then God is working powerfully in some way and they'll find something wrong with it. Well, it's not my style. It's not how I would do it. Well, it doesn't do that. It doesn't do that. And, uh, and it's all focused around what is it? A lot of people are just like, not me. I'm not doing it. Don't talk to me about outreach. We're not doing that. Or how come so much time goes there? Or what about that? When I read the Bible, leave the 99, find the one, and all heaven rejoices when someone comes to know the Lord. I'm just telling you, if you walk with Jesus, Jesus was all about leading people to God. And if you walk with Jesus, every day is gonna be about leading people to God. And if you miss that, you miss something with Jesus. So tons of complaining about outreach, even more about worship. But the grumbling, the grumbling, we just sometimes have to stop and say, what am I grumbling about? Why am I grumbling? Is it really getting me anywhere? What are the other options? And these grumblers are going off and this is how it ends in verse 13. But he answered one of them, friend, notice his kindness. He's still their friend. I am not being unfair to you. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the man who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I'm generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. Kindness, patience, friend, can we talk? Can we talk? And literally this means, is your eye evil because I'm good? Are you envious because I'm generous? This is the original evil eye. And this is a kingdom of grace and generosity. You know, in Matthew chapter 19, the disciples were wrestling with so much of this. And Peter answered them, we have left everything to follow you, right? Like this kingdom work is tough. Like there's sacrifices, there's suffering, there's submission. Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What then will be there for us? Jesus said to them, truly I tell you, because they're all thinking it. Peter says it. There's one that talks and has the courage to talk. Everyone else, passive aggressive. So Jesus said to them, truly I tell you at the renewal of all things, when the son of man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on the 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or fields, Jesus knows what you've given up for my sake, will receive a hundred times as much and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last and many who are last will be first. Many who are getting all the points with the world are not doing much in the kingdom. And many who are faithful in the kingdom are not getting many points in the world. But you trust me, because why? There's slackers, there's workers, and there's grumblers. And at the end, God has the final say. God has the right to decide who's in the kingdom 
You and I don't decide who's in the kingdom. That's God's. The rewards, that's God's. God has the final say. We don't have to go sweating or chasing that one down. Let God be God. What do we notice about God as we conclude? We've got God gives you additional invitations. Slackers, more invitations. Then for people who are ready to work, here's meaningful work. And then what about grumblers? Look at God's generous grace. Let God change your heart. We're gonna have a prayer invitation time right now. And I'm gonna ask the elders to come forward. And as the elders come forward, there's an opportunity to come forward for prayer. Here's a couple of things you might want prayer for. If you're here today and you wanna put your trust in Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can come forward. Just let them know I'm here to follow Jesus. I wanna follow Jesus. If you're here today and you know the Bible says in James chapter five, the same chapter with the elders and oil, the Bible says, Repent from sins, confess your sins. Maybe it's a time of repentance for you today and you just wanna come up and get prayers. Say, I'm gonna turn from this, I'm gonna turn to God and I just want prayers for that. Or maybe it's physical healing and restoration, emotional healing today and you need prayer. This is God's house, house of prayer. God says, gather the elders. You see some of the elders here, get the oil and pray. And so anyone can come forward and it's encouraged. There's, there's no shame. Can we just give it up right now for the people who are gonna come forward? Can we just encourage them? Can we encourage them? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this time to seek you. Thank you for this time of prayer. Thank you for answering prayer and how you're gonna heal right now. In Jesus' name, amen.